and welcome again to Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast where we will show you how much we love you when we've grown a foot or two. Yeah, I've uh, been hoping they send me on a mission since January of 2009. Well, I'm just wondering what pill I need to grow a foot or two. Uh, I mean... I want- I want to hide my way to Kolob. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a hymen in Kolob? Because it sounds very similar. So we've got a, a great episode for you. The uh, Mormon brothers are back. Ex-Mormon brothers. W- were we supposed to make noises at this point? <laughs> well, Layton uh, usually jumps in and comments on that. I was waiting for them to say something stupid like they normally do. <laughs> Yo, give so, it time. <laughs> Gotta so, warm up a little <laughs> <laughs> the former Mormon brothers are back. Fresh They've got from the KY, our... KY jelly out. Now uh, they're ready to go. Fresh from our temple episode. They've anointed themselves with holy oil and are going to come back and discuss their experiences on a mission. I wonder if you can bless KY jelly and use it as oil for blessings. Well, it's petroleum-based, so I don't see why not. <laughs> what, what oil do you think they're lubricating your inner thigh with? <laughs> well, I don't know. What what what's the oil strippers use? <laughs> Baby oil. <laughs> That'll work. All right. So um, we have. Uh, let's go ahead and reintroduce yourself for those who uh, we've probably got a bunch of new listeners, and all of our other listeners have quit already. So yeah, we need to reintroduce people. Yeah. I haven't seen Chloe on for a while, so I guess all the misogynistic comments have worked. It wasn't that. It was that she requested a Hindu podcast, and you're sucked. That's true. Uh, I miss you, Chloe. Come back. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, let's let's have you introduce yourselves again. I'm Chris, and I'm Mike. And we Perfect. are. <laughs> yeah, Winter Twin powers activate. Now. We're Perfect. not twins. We're separated by a couple of years. Well, what do you guys touch when you are trying to activate powers? <laughs> We'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> when I've grown a foot a or two. Yeah. It's, it's I got a pamphlet that'll explain everything. And it talks about the Book of Mormon. Excellent. <laughs> so we're here to talk about uh, the missionary experience, which uh, is inculcated into young men uh, and women since essentially birth. They're yeah. raised to go on missions. Yeah, in Sunday school, you sing this really dumbass song. I hope they call me on a mission. Right, like anyone has not been called on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have. We got your papers, and you know, you know, nah, no thanks. Nah. Yeah, if you're, yeah, if you're <laughs> a female and you get married, you know, when you're 19, like you're supposed to, you don't have to go. That's true. I wonder if anyone submitted their papers and they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Take us through what happens. Um, you, I mean, eventually in in church they drive this into your heads. We got to have missionaries in there. You got to do the work of God. You got to spread the gospel. So start. You know, what are your experiences in church, sitting there while they tell you this stuff, and what do they tell you? Uh, many are told that there are people specifically being prepared for them to baptize. Yep. Uh, some are told that uh, you have made promises in the premortal existence to people that you will bring them the gospel in this life. Uh-huh. And all are taught that you were called to your mission by inspiration and that there was a place that the Lord has destined you to serve. Uh, I was certainly taught all of those things. And uh, it's funny because there are some of the more esoteric church videos where it shows, you know, uh, the premortal existence and people talking to him. And, you know, you should... You know, it's okay. I'll bring you the church, and then it shows them when this life bringing them the gospel. Like, oh, remember that time when we didn't exist, or something. You know? 
<laughs> so, so they're actually... on the hook for all these people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I, was... I would point out that um, that would be nice if we could remember the fucking obligations we made. But you know what? God put this little veil in front of us, so I'm no longer obligated. God's the dick, not me. So yeah, I mean, in the church, primaries, talks, uh, general conference, every goddamn general conference I've listened to um, has praise for the missions that are out there, the missionaries. They'll everyone um, in in almost every nightly prayer that I've gone to, or a little gathering, you get a little family gathering together. They'll pray for the success of the missionaries, uh, and so it, it is completely uh, drilled into you from well, essentially you birth. Dinner. Well, yeah, you, right. you, you think that's bad. When you actually make it 12 years old and you receive the priesthood, you're dragged around with a, an older companion uh, doing home teaching. And it's, it's like preparing you mini-missionary style, where you're dragged around to people's houses who are either inactive or part of the ward, and you want to give them a little lesson, find out how they're doing. And it, it, it's, it's just like just dragging around a young missionary is all it is. That sounds like Sparta. Close, except just not half as cool. Less don't sex. Throw babies out to hang out on the mountains. So. <laughs> we keep the ones, My entire you... family would have been thrown out off the mountain, <laughs> including Layton. Yes, yes, but that's because I'm just retarded. Yeah. Okay, do you so... do you think there's any patriarchal blessing that's been given in the history of the church that didn't uh, predict that the kid would go on a mission? The male. Uh, leading right into my next point. Maybe the guy right. had no legs or something. <laughs> You'll be very successful wheeling yourself around Tijuana. I see Temple Square mission. <laughs> what a surprise. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Although, a completely random point, I actually knew someone whose patriarchal blessing said that they will die for the gospel. Oh, God. Yeah. And uh, it was very interesting seeing her mom's reaction to that. <laughs> But, so if uh, you if you live your life right and you do everything you should, you'll end up dying for the gospel. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucked up. Remember I those blessings are now started smoking. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, of course, some of the blessings and a patriarchal blessing are not provided in this life. So maybe she'll die after she's dead. <laughs> On the other side of the veil. There you go. <laughs> You're here, son. So, uh, yeah, you <laughs> you are uh, constantly told faith from wedding stories, you know, by uh, by dad, by grandpa, by everyone, you know, uh, from when you're a kid. But also, uh, I was going to bring up my patriarchal blessing, and uh, to give you an idea, I, I am I've got a, a section of it that relates to this part. Um, uh, uh, be diligent, Mike, in your study of the scriptures and attending your meetings and in preparing yourself for the day when you will have hands laid upon your head and receive the holy Melchizedek priesthood and be ordained an elder therein. For the day will come when you will be called to serve as a missionary, advocate, and messenger of Jesus Christ. I bless you that you will be a successful advocate and missionary, that you will be as one having a trump crying repentance to the meek and humble and teachable of this earth. This mission experience will be for you the spiritual springboard to even greater experiences in your life and you will truly participate in many of the stirring events that will precipitate the coming of the Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. So, well, that came true. Oh, totally, yes. Um, you know, Just before you up. burn in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, greater experiences like leaving the stupid church and... <laughs> it was. It was a springboard. <laughs> that, that's... Maybe you forestalled the coming of Jesus. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's because of you that Jesus isn't coming to shine on the world. And I couldn't be prouder of that. Yeah, strong work on that one. 
So yeah, that's essentially a... um, everyone's patri- every male's patriarchal blessing. Do do women get patriarchal blessings? They do, don't they? Yeah, 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 yeah they do. So every male's patriarchal blessing will tell you that you you'll be uh, on your mission and you'll be very successful. Blah blah blah. Layton's yours did right. Yep, yep. Mine yeah. said almost verbatim what he just stated. Nice. Yeah. Except uh, Layton's also said he'd be crucified for the gospel, so we're still waiting <laughs> for that one. Uh, yeah, well, which gospel? Irreligiosophy or Mormonism? <laughs> the I, bacon I, gospels. The, yes, yeah. the bacon gospels. I would definitely <laughs> get crucified for those. It'd be so tasty. Yeah, I'll be skewered for that gospel. <laughs> the only problem is, is after uh, after we started plugging the bacon gospels, um, I'm pretty sure uh, the gospels plummeted into oblivion due to us. He said his sales have never been worse. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, there was an actual class that uh, in my stake that we would go like on either Saturday or Sunday nights, and it would be basically like another Sunday school class, but specifically specifically geared towards missions. Uh, like you know, uh, tips for saving money, uh, um, some of the lessons that you'll be teaching, and and other basic stuff. I remember very little of it because it was only for like one semester, and that was a long time ago, like when I was sixteen. So you were sixteen. Where was this missionary prep course taught? Uh, it was actually taught in the seminary room of the stake center on Sunday night. Uh, sometimes it was either on Sunday or on Saturday. It was uh, I forget when exactly. Oh. Fascinating. I must have missed out on that or deliberately it's ran. <laughs> it's important to get your eight to nine hours of church every week. Yeah, right. Ugh. Well, what, what you need also the to sacrifice mission. for God. Then there's also the mini-mission program where they have uh, basically kids that are getting ready to... Or, you know, 16, 17-year-olds that they have them fall around the missionaries for like a week at a time. Oh, I forgot about that. They do that, and... And it's funny because when I don't know if they did it to you guys, but when they pulled us all together, they would ask who wants to go and do this, so on and so forth. And for those of us who didn't raise our hand, which was like three or four of us, they would sit there and give us a guilt trip and then pull us out of the group afterwards and ask us what was wrong, why we didn't volunteer, and then give us lectures as to why we should have volunteered. <laughs> I don't ever recall volunteering for this. I think I was volunteered to do it. Oh, maybe yeah. that's why you didn't get the lecture like yeah. I did. But, uh, yeah, so I had to do it, I think I did it twice. Uh, I don't know. Those are still some of the memories I'm trying to drink away. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Again, um, I would have just said I promised in the, myself in the preexistence I wouldn't volunteer for this. <laughs> I learned myself before the mission, but that took I... a lot of my left hand. But I remember meeting the two missionaries I was supposed to follow around, and it took me about five seconds to realize that they hated each other's guts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I had where, to bring my own bike to follow them around on their bikes to all of their appointments and stuff. And where was this? It's just like in in and around the neighborhood where I grew up. So so what, you, you, you just follow around these two missionaries on a bike? Yeah, and just to whatever appointments that they had. And I remember they never really had any, so it was just, you know, it seemed like you were just kind of wasting time. You go around and you meet with some members, talk to them, and... I think the whole week I was with them, they had one actual discussion with a person who was not a member planned. Holy shit, this goes on for a week? Yeah, a whole week. <laughs> wow, I am so glad I got a lecture instead of a week of that shit. You are such yeah, a would, bad Mormon. I would take the lecture over that anytime. My 
God. Were you staying in their apartment or were you staying? Well, the, the idea was you're supposed <laughs> to stay in the apartment with them and everything, but, you know. They, uh, well, seeing how they've only got two beds, which one did you choose? Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, well, there's not really anywhere I can stay here, so I'll just meet you yeah. guys in the morning. And I mean, right. they, have to, they have to study for like the first, you know, two hours of the of the day. And you're supposed to be a part of that, but you know, I'm like, I'll meet you nice. when you're about to leave the apartment. Who wants to spoon? <laughs> Spork, Charlie. They're guys. Spork. Spork. Anyway, they're um, teaching you all this stuff as a kid, and so as you're going through your teenage years, you're anticipating filing your papers, right? When's that done? For me, it was kind of obvious that I wanted to go and that I was going to go. So it was never pressure, but that still came up. Like, so, uh, you know, you're still thinking about the mission? I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, then once you hit about 18 and a half or so, or really kind of 18 is when they start talking about it seriously, then you get this big old packet of papers, and it's stuff like um, getting your dental work done and getting your shots and all that stuff. And, um, so how does, that, how does that process work? Do you guys approach the bishop? Does the bishop call you in his office? Do your parents pester you? Oh, you're 18 now. you got to get these papers. How does yeah, that work? Yeah, it comes work? from every side. It, it is, yeah. It's just like it's, I it brought it up myself. Side. I yeah. just went in the bishop said, okay, can I do my papers now? Because uh, you can turn... 19 in the missionary training center that's the earliest you can go so you can basically put in your papers when you're 18 and then uh, you can serve when you're 19 um, you know I've so. always wondered why they chose 19 I mean uh, you're an adult at 18 why 19 you're I think still it's in to make high sure, school yeah they, yeah. Want, they want you to finish uh, high school yeah. no they don't want they want to screw up college not high school <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh god it seems like a pretty involved process. I've done missionary physicals, and they're more detailed than your average sports physical. They got lots of stuff on there. It's a pretty intense history. It's like so eight, like eight pieces of paper for me to fill out. So it's like even if they're going to like Utah Temple Square, you're still feeling up in every tiny crevice. Is that is that what you're doing? Yeah, exactly. I'm checking every. <laughs> at, at least that's what Charlie wants people to believe that there's a lot of paperwork. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I come in with my own paperwork. Oh, missionary, huh? <laughs> Hold <laughs> on, let me pull out the file. Let me get my elbow length glove. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's a they pre-select don't group of people that will do anything that they're told. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to have that veterinary horse insemination glove around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we're going through your tonsils. We're not coming up the backside. So. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, both yeah. Michael and Chris went. Although Chris had doubts almost from the get-go, right? But you both still yeah. served your duty and went on a mission. Took two yeah, years uh-huh. out of your life. Well, there's I'm lots still of social astonished Chris was too. able to after the temple. So. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, unbelievable. Well, I mean, the pressure to go—it's all social pressure too. Because I, yeah. I thought that if I didn't go, that my parents would just like kick me out and have me living on the street. I mean, I know now it's kind of ridiculous, but that's—that's you know, that's what I thought back then. Because it's—it's it not too ridiculous, my friend. It's not too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure that has happened to other people. Yeah, it's it's significant social pressure, and they'll—I know some friends in Park City who, uh, off, you know, their parents offered to pay their college for them, but only if they went on a mission. Or if they came on a mission, they came back uh, with honor. They returned with honor. They'd get a car, you know, waiting for them. So yeah, well, both of those things have because I mean, my parents paid for college and gave me a car when I got back. I don't think they would have done that if I didn't go. Right. I suspect they might have, but uh, they 
would have treated you like crap. If you didn't. <laughs> well, I'm curious. How many brothers and sisters do you two have? It's just the two of us and our one sister. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say, uh, well, because in, in my family, I'm the only one who didn't go on a mission. So I was just wondering if you guys saw any sort of differences in that. No, they both went. because no, all of us went. Yeah, we both went, <laughs> and our sister got married when she was like 19 or 20, like she was supposed to. So uh, nothing so, out of the norm. My my parents didn't become uh, Mormon failures until a few years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that There is actually significant social pressure within the church, certainly. I remember my mother-in-law getting fairly irritated at a lady who stood up and said, I am so grateful this fast and testimony meeting first Sunday mm-hmm. of every month. I'm so grateful uh, f- for the Lord has blessed me so much. All of my children went on missions and they all got married in the temple. And she was irritated because, you know, her kids did everything except for one daughter. So she wasn't able to say that. My, you know, my <laughs> wife. <laughs> she I'm so grateful I'm better than all of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah it really is. It's like that's what we call a bragamony. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in Spanish, you have the cuentamoni, which is uh, basically the storytelling version of a testimony where you're like giving a travelogue or something like that, where they're just talking. Uh, Funny thing happened to me the other day. Da, 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 yeah. You're like, and it's just going somewhere. Yeah, and you were just eating all of this time. Yeah. Oh, Lord. So you turn in your papers, and oh. then what? You uh, wait for um, a letter from the church? Uh huh. What you'll get is. Uh, um, it's either, you know, sometimes it takes a couple of weeks, sometimes it takes a couple of months. I got mine like two weeks to the day that I sent it. And um, you get a letter from the prophet, but it's it's an obvious form letter. You know, uh, President Hinckley says you're going here and um, uh, then also has this massive information packet that tells you what you can and can't bring and all that stuff. But, yeah, uh, I had I had all my brothers go on a mission and this was such a big deal to receive this letter that they would force the entire family to sit down each time and they would read it word for word. And I'm, I kept wondering if I was the only one that noticed it was the same letter, just with different <laughs> Like the prophet's going to sit down and write 60,000 personal letters every year. And, <laughs> and while you were reading this, did you all have each other's elbows on the shoulder of the person left you? <laughs> no, did you I don't know what uh, that did you experience a burning in your bosom, Leighton? It was more of a burning on my backside, but uh, you could call it bosom. <laughs> but yeah, that was the same thing for us, too, where uh, it comes in the mail, and I was kind of frustrated because I want to get it and see where I'm going. But no, 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 you have to wait till you know, whatever uh, cousins in Utah are off work and, you know, later in the evening at like 7 or 8 p.m., and everyone's in on the conference call and everyone's there, and we open up. You know, drum roll, please, and open up and go. It is anticipated that you'll serve for a period of 24 months in the such and such mission. You report to the MTC on such and such date and such and such time. He can't even, you know, it'd be cooler if they would uh, give some, you know, a hundred random uh, snippets, personal snippets, and the computer program just chose one of those, and you're like, whoa, it's different. <laughs> that would mean the it's, prophet actually wrote this to me. <laughs> it's slightly different. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, I just see a, a monkey on the typewriter thing happening with that. <laughs> and, uh... So you get it, and then from there, when you do you buy start... all of your stuff? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you right. buy all of your stuff. Your by the number of suits, number of trench coats, 
shoes, cut your hair, get, get, you, you um, go to get your Mr. You go to Mr. Mac, and they're like these two-pants suits, <laughs> especially for missionaries. <laughs> Why two pants? Do the pants uh, wear out faster than the top? Well, most of the time yeah. you're going out in just your your pants and your shirt. Oh, um, it depends on where you are. It's yeah. weather yeah. dependent. And you have like your Sunday suit. Now, I had like a suit that was like my good suit like for president's interviews and for <laughs> uh and for church and stuff but uh you know you have your shoe just regular every day you get your eight dollar walmart pants will be fine as long as it's you know, creased or you know non-wrinkle or whatever gotcha. uh, you know i've seen that list that you guys are forced to put together and it is absolutely worse than the military sea bag for requirements i mean do they actually sit you down and check to make sure that you have every single item in there no, but it's just kind of like we recommend that you have all this stuff. And if you show up in like a shitty suit or something like that, then they're gonna say, "Hey, you gotta, you know, do better than that or something." Really? Yeah, I didn't wear Sonic with the crap suit. No, I did. Yeah. Oh, really? Looks <laughs> like it's got them in the, they're just like obviously poor, and so they've got this, you know, the cheapest thing they could put together. And it's like, yeah, that's not really gonna do it. And they made them buy another suit. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Oh, that is dickish. <laughs> oh, you sacrificed everything to come to me. Yeah. Oh, I need God. you to bend over a little further and <laughs> pull money out of your pocket to yeah. buy more suits. Oh. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> do you do your missionary farewell before or after you go into the MTC? Do you go before you go into the MTC or before you go on your mission? Well, they kind of did away with the the missionary farewells. You know, the, we were told the reason that that the um, stake president told us or the church leaders told us was that uh, the focus needs to be on Christ in sacrament meeting and not on the missionary itself I think the real reason was we have these stupid things like every week in Utah and we're sick of them so stop stop devoting an entire sacrament meeting uh, to this one missionary you know where everyone in the family gets up and talks and they still do them they just do them under the radar basically yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, like, what what Mormon mom who's sending their kid out on a mission isn't going to want to take over a sacrament meeting? And, and uh, that's, I mean, ours did. <laughs> right. They totally. Yeah, I mean, the president uh, had been set. So. Yeah, they, they um, they're giving two years of their life for God's sake. So at least you can do is give them ten minutes to talk. Well, they they'll make you talk. <laughs> the missionary will will get up and will be asked to speak. Um, and uh, it's the yeah, it's it's just it's just a total non official. Uh, farewell you know or yeah i think they just changed the name basically you still have all the the elements they just don't want people calling them farewells anymore so uh that's interesting i didn't know that, that they attempted to put a stop to that so anyway you get uh, ordained and set apart right you get your melchizedek priesthood at 18 is it 18 you get it yeah 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 anytime over 18 you can actually get it even if you aren't or you haven't gone on a mission in fact I got my uh, or the Melchizedek priesthood blessing, and all I got all that when I was nineteen. Even though uh, I had told them I wasn't going on a mission, they were trying to do it as pressure to get you to go. Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they were trying, and it it didn't quite work. But so now you still have the priesthood, though, so you can cast out demons and. Uh, the only miracles. demon I'm casting out is with my left or right hand. The we can all cast out demons except for you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so in this prep packet, let me just blast through this because it's uh, it's important. Uh, you get uh, you know welcome letter from the twelve apostles, yada yada. You get an intro about your mission president. You see him for the first time. You know what he looks like, and this little you know you know two paragraph bio. You get a map of your mission, 
you get instructions for before entering the MTC. It says specifically, pray for the Spirit of the Lord to attend you. Get your temple recommend if possible. Continue to read the Book of Mormon. Take time to ponder and reflect upon its teaching. Resolve all worthiness issues with your priesthood leaders. Settle all personal debts. Make sure your name is marked on all clothing, luggage, and other belongings. Have your hair cut to the missionary standard. Uh, if possible, continue private health insurance. Uh, be set apart <laughs> as a full-time missionary by your state president. <laughs> I like how they say, if possible, get a temple recommend. So some people show up at the missionary training center having never gone to the temple. They've already you know, committed themselves to serving for two years, and they've never gone through that temple experience that we described to you last time. That's huh. huh. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize you could even go to the MTC without having gone to get your endowments out. Yeah, if you don't live close to a temple, I mean, it's just a yeah, practical issue. I mean, that's a very, that's an exception, uh, a rare exception. I, I didn't know a single person who had already gotten their endowments before going to the missionary training center. I like uh, how they say, if possible, keep your private health insurance. <laughs> I like. Uh, that. I mean. The kid is already paying nearly all of his own bills. Um, the parents are pitching in. I think the least that the LDS church could do would be pay for insurance while they're on their mission to keep them healthy so they go out and convert more people. Yeah, uh, I'll get to that. It's uh, coming up in a little bit here. Uh, reporting to the MTC, this is all still from the prep packet. Uh, it gives you the info, uh, you know, where and when and all that stuff. Uh, only immediate family is allowed to come for the first meeting. Families that have to travel long distances shouldn't come. Families and friends are not allowed to visit departing missionaries at the airport. Things to bring with you. We broke every single one of those rules, by the way. Uh, yeah. We did, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You guys, uh, you're, you should go back to your family and say, it's because of you that I'm not Mormon anymore, because you showed disobedient. me how to disobey the yeah. prophets. Your lack of respect for the church's rules. Uh, so things to bring with you. Completed immunization form, government-issued ID, like a driver's license, current temple recommend, Scriptures, the standard works. Uh, Note-taking materials, glasses and contacts if needed, soap and bath, towel, toiletries, clothes hangers. A shoulder bag, not a backpack. This can be purchased at the MTC. I'm, I'm reading this directly from the prep packet. Uh, nice. Appropriate shoes and two sets of exercise clothing. You will have five gym periods per week. Laundry facilities are available only once per week. So two sets of exercise clothing for five gym periods once a week and do your laundry. Just Oh, <laughs> nasty. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, there's, there's more. $60 for incidental personal expenses at the MTC. It includes uh, $30 for approved missionary shoulder bag. Keep expenses to a minimum. <laughs> That's the next sentence. Well, <laughs> nice. That bag, there's a lot of controversy about that bag. So bring $60, keep expenses to a minimum, 37 of that for the church-approved mission bag. Which is like a $5... Chance yeah, so they're essentially raping this missionary who's already yeah. spending all his money. Yeah, and right where, after where that, the hell is the 10% going if they're raping their missionaries? Well, I like the fact that you need to bring your own toiletries. So um, if you don't have enough money, you really just can't wipe your ass during the, your stay at the MTC. <laughs> well, you, know, uh, you can use your companion's shirt. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's what your gym clothes are for. <laughs> yeah, That's why you has, get to wash it wait, once a I'll week. I'll wash them on Friday. Four or five days. <laughs> <laughs> now, why is there that pile over in the corner? Oh, that's the brown yeah. pile. Yeah, that that stinks a little more than usual. <laughs> <laughs> Your turn uh, to do the laundry. <laughs> right, you're supposed to bring $100 for an emergency fund, which you should carry with you while traveling to your mission. Uh, bring your driving record if you have a driver's license and converters for electronic devices. Uh, approved books, and by the way, these are the only ones that are approved. 
Jesus the Christ, Our Search for Happiness, A Marvelous Work and a Wonder, uh, The Truth Restored, uh, Gospel Principles, and Our Heritage. Oh, those books come in this complete set. You cannot read anything outside of those besides the standard works. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty excruciating. In fact, some of them are so bad, I didn't even read uh, through them all the way. But Jesus yeah. the Christ and a marvelous work in the wonder ought to be um, burned. I don't usually yeah, advocate that's, that's against burning the Geneva books. Convention. Yeah, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds awfully Christian. Yeah. To, to I'm just oh. saying. Okay, so things not to bring, specifically stated in the prep packet. Daily planners, electronic planners, any books not listed above, computers, laptops, radios, clock radios, camcorders, cell phones, pagers, email devices, CD players, DVD players, musical instruments, playing cards, games, footballs, soccer balls, or any other kind of sports or hobby equipment. Packages you know, for other missionaries at the NPC or in the mission field. You know, so, it, it's funny because I remember one of my older brothers stuck or snuck nunchuckers to the mission uh, at the NPC. <laughs> So he could practice, and he actually got to within like two days before he flew out to his mission before he got caught with them. Which, which brother was this? This was Ty. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. I, guess I have to fight off. Was he going to Japan? Is that why he was? <laughs> no, he was going to Florida. But, right, but yeah, the Florida, he, he, he just, the Florida Ninja District. Yeah. The Florida Ninjas. Yeah, you you got to watch out when the crocodiles, kind of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah, they pop out. You got to crack them with nunchuckers. So on the banned list, uh, hand lotion, <laughs> uh, tissue negative. paper, probably. Your left One hand. That's, that's all in the toiletries. Well, I guess okay. they can't ban you from spitting in your hands, so. We're just going dry. <laughs> oh, <friction. laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Um, Do they have blister cream at least if you're going dry? <laughs> Put some aloe on it. You can't. Yeah. The the hand lotion is banned. Oh God. Yeah, not on the banned list. Your left hand. Anyway. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I I brought my drumsticks, and uh, it came up in an, an interview I had with one of the uh, MTC people, and he said, send him home. And I didn't. And I <laughs> used my drumsticks all the time on my mission, including uh, one, um, like, uh, state musical performance thing uh, where I played in front of a crowd. Yeah, I had a guitar. Yeah, well, you, you didn't, like, bring I bought it through it there, the MTC. Yeah, you bought it there. But, uh, uh, yeah. You had drumsticks, but no yeah. drums. No, you don't need... The world is his drum. Yeah, the world is my drum. <laughs> Did you just ask your companion to put his head down? I mean, uh, I I mean, I've long since played in different groups where I was playing on trash cans, uh, snare drums, drum sets, uh, anything. And annoying the fuck out of his companion. Uh, yep. I love it. <laughs> and family and friends. But uh, I also marched in a drum corps for a season. But, uh, yeah, so I was like, I am not going two years without playing drums. Fuck that. So, um, yeah. I think I uh, found someone who is a bigger geek than you, Charlie. Anybody who can say drum corps with a straight face. Is that um, marching band? My, what is that? Marching drums. Yeah, we both did marching band and drum line throughout high school. Drum line? I thought that was just a bad movie that a girlfriend wanted me to watch. Now, that was a bad movie, but did not represent at all the true experience. <laughs> That was yeah. Really a movie that <laughs> yeah, Nick Cannon movie that based on reality. Yeah, uh, he so... liked both of you kiss my ass. All right. <laughs> Additional information: <laughs> visitors not permitted. Listen only to wholesome, uplifting music. And in my mission, we could only listen to hymns and nothing but hymns. 
Uh, oh, headphones are not allowed. I would have killed everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there is no uh, email access at the MTC, Missionary Training Center. Uh, you will not be able to leave the Missionary Training Center to shop or for any other reason. The only only person I knew that left the MTC without being sent home uh, was my friend who got injured while helping him set up chairs, like almost got his fingers cut off by uh, moving those, um, those big old um, platform Folding chairs. Those folding chairs are nasty. No, no, it's it's like the like the stadium seating wooden things that you see in like high school gymnasium. Oh, the slide kind of, out. Yeah, the slide out. The oh, got I got gotcha. you. So, so yeah, he had to, he got taken to the hospital. But other than that, like, how long is the MTC you, experience, start to finish? It depends on if you're a native is going to a native speaking language or if you're going to a foreign language. Uh, Isn't it, foreign it, language like two months? Uh, ten weeks. Yeah, it can be, it's generally ten weeks. If you're learning something really weird. Uh, like like Chinese, like an Oriental Russian. language or Hungarian or or something like that. It'll be I've heard up to fourteen weeks. Does that yeah. count toward your mission time? Is that count as time already yeah. served? Yeah, it does. Excellent. So yeah, you're like in the field for twenty two months or so, or something like that. And interestingly enough, totally random tidbit: there were a lot of Samoan missionaries that came to the MTC. They learned English. And then they learned whatever language they were going to uh, speak. Like some of them were like, <laughs> they were Samoan, came to to uh, Utah to learn English, then like went to speak Tongan. <laughs> it was like, what, what? Like just completely hopping language families. It was interesting, but huh. uh, yeah, there was a ton of Samoan elders there when I was uh, when I was see anyway. So essentially, you more? could spend fourteen weeks up to two and a half. Oh my God, that's three and a half months. Inside the walls of this little building in Provo, listening to only hymns. Oh God, it's worse than yeah. prison. No wonders they don't allow nunchuckers. Yeah. There's no difference between that and prison. Is it uh, besides yeah. the ass raping? Really, no difference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you still walk into the, the shower clenching your cheeks. Yeah, I think I, it's a. I got no action in the MTC, and it was their loss. But, uh, yeah. I think it's so, a difference uh, in percentage. You know, there's probably just a slightly higher percentage of ass raping victims in the prison <laughs> well I don't or, know the uh, LDS uh, church likes to claim they're when they get married it's forever and yet they've still got the national average going so especially if they hear that you've been in marching band <laughs> <laughs> I hate you both anyway so, so money uh, donations uh, in this packet uh Donations to the missionary fund are not refundable. It says that, uh, frankly. The cost of each missionary per month is uh, $375. US dollars. Uh, by, and, to, and to put that in perspective, by the way, uh, my mission monthly income was uh, 280 Argentine pesos, which, by the way, I never got uh, that full amount. Roughly a quarter of what my folks paid in. Uh, it's basically a 3 to 1 ratio. Um, Argentine pesos to they the average dollar. it out across the whole world because some some people go to more expensive areas where the cost of living is higher and so they have to you yeah. know compensate so they had everybody pay the same amount no matter where they're going and then you get in proportion to where you are mm. and the well, bishop is responsible so your your parents essentially pay nearly four hundred bucks a month and then yeah. the church redistributes this. Uh, depending on what location you're yeah, in. Wherever the hell they want. Yeah, I mean, God, that's yeah, fucked I got up. Like, I got like 50 bucks a month. Uh, and so the bishop is responsible for making sure the church receives $375 every month. So basically, your folks write a check to the bishop who, who sends it uh, on. 
and uh, you are allowed to have uh, debit cards to access personal money. This should be used sparingly. I had to use mine like every freaking month because I never got my uh, my income for various <laughs> reasons, mostly incompetence from the office staff, but also I just, they just didn't give me anything. It was supposed to be 280, and uh, when I got it, it was it was usually right around 200, and uh, sometimes not at all. So I went through uh, and I went through a bunch of personal money, and that's a very common thing. Uh, I, in my mission, certainly, and I think in others. Yeah, they definitely, and that's kind of universal. They don't give anybody enough money to survive, and because they're all assuming that you're eating dinners from, with the, with the members, members. Of families, and, which never happened. <laughs> yeah, this is essentially one of the richest, um, most wealthy churches in the world. If it were a Fortune 500 company, it would probably be with within the top 100. These are not poor people, and they're still. Uh, shorting these missionaries who are doing it solely because they believe in it so deeply. Well, that's why they're so rich. They're gouging them for every God. penny and then buying up entire sections of Salt Lake City so they can ban gays from them. This doesn't bother you because you're, you know, bought and sold. You you, you believe in this hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Absolutely, and and it's you know, any it's just more suffering to get more life points. You know, it's, right? Uh, it's <laughs> to be more of a martyr. But, uh yeah, there's a lot of martyr complex stuff going on yeah. with this because suffering is seen as a good thing because, you know, suffering for, you know, a perceived reward at the end. Sure. You're you're storing up karma in heaven, essentially. You're, you're yeah. laying up treasure in heaven. Uh, medical information. This is all in the prep packet. The church will pay medical bills unless you have a pre-existing condition or have your own insurance. Not the even church the church covers pre-existing conditions. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, and, and they even say... With the prep package just said you should have insurance, and then right here they're saying, "Oh, if you have insurance, we're not covering you." That's fucked yeah. up. Uh, church will not pay for elective procedures. Uh, the church coverage will expire when you arrive home or your last day of missionary service if your parents come to pick you up. So I mean, there is a, a coverage, but if you have, but they want you to have your own, so they don't have to pay for it. Right, exactly. Uh, if you are ill or injured on your mission, the church will cover you up to 90 days after you return home. So even if you get fucking injured there, they'll still, you know, a couple months afterwards, they're like, well, you're on your own. Uh, huh. Re required immunizations, tetanus, diphtheria, MMR, both doses, uh, hep A and B, and typhoid. Optional immunizations, chicken pox, influenza, pneumonia. Now, can't uh, God just protect these missionaries while they're on the mission? I mean, you That's believe the, you uh, have... That's what the are for. <laughs> That's right. They stop bullets, you know. Um, Mosquito repellent too, built into them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, dress and grooming guidelines: uh, wear Sunday best. Hair should be kept uh, long enough to part, but not past uh, mid-ear length. Uh, the uh, sideburns cannot go below the mid-ear. No bow ties, specifically stated. Uh, <laughs> shoes must be black or brown or colored. Of I don't know what that is, and made of material that can be polished. No cowboy boots, hiking boots, or non-dress shoes. You're out, Layton. And they've got. I was out have, at ten. You're out at yeah. the bow tie. I think you're, you're out at the hepatitis. Goes with my drum set. <laughs> so that's gay discrimination right there. No bow ties. Yeah. <laughs> but drums. Damn it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and there's uh, big old pictures of dorky missionaries on this thing. Uh, missionary travel. Get your passport and visa. Uh, the church will pay for a plane ticket to the MTC, but not gas or mileage if you drive there. I guess they don't want to pay for your family's road trips. Uh, 
you are allowed two pieces of luggage and one carry-on. One bag not to exceed 62 total dimensional inches, one bag not to exceed 55 total dimensional inches, blah, blah, blah. Uh, maximum weight per bag is 70 pounds. If you go over, you pay $100 out of your pocket. Wow. So thus concludes the prep pack. <laughs> so this is all stuff that you get before you even hit the MTC, before you have that big emotional meeting. All right, you're at the doors of the MTC, the Missionary Training Center. There's only one of so these they, in the country, right, for all the missionaries? Yeah, there's only the one in, uh, in Provo. So Some other everyone. Have a, yeah, everyone from around the United States and surrounding areas. Uh, so the first the first day you show up there with your immediate family, they show you the super sappy video uh, that's you know it's all just engineered to make your parents cry. I guess. God, I I think I saw that video like six times. Now that I'm thinking about it, that was the Scientology video. <laughs> that may be why it's so convoluted. All that, right. That made me cry. Yeah, and no, wait, they, are your parents there? Yeah, your parents yeah. are there because they brought you there. And this is this is the moment when they they bring you there. You watch this movie, and then they say, "Parents out that door, uh, missionaries out the other door." Huh. And uh, yeah, then you kind of hug everybody goodbye, and you you go off to spend the rest of the two years hating yourself. And so there's <laughs> the first night you show up, uh, you've, you're assigned to these little missionary enclaves that are like districts they're called the small the smaller units and then zones are the larger made up of two or three districts and uh, you determine who amongst you is going to be district leader actually there is an adult that presides over these that it's almost like a bishop home away from home kind of thing and he'll pick who the district and the zone leaders are and this you... is still in the missionary training center yeah, this is this is right when you've arrived. You, you kind of establish you establish the you know authority from the get go. That's the first thing you do. So you get your your yeah. pecking order right off the bat. Exactly. What happens if they pick a pussy to be the leader? God will strengthen. Uh, they him. often do. Yeah, then you constantly <laughs> make fun of him and do sometimes what he says, sometimes not. You know, like normal. Yeah, I mean it's the same of any hierarchy in anything. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, just a. Interesting idea. I would have thought they would have felt you guys out, watched you for a little while, and then established the pecking order. But just randomly picking you as soon as you come through, that that's an odd way of doing God, it. It's all inspiration by God, Leighton. Yeah, yeah the inspiration was a bit card. off on our... Yeah, 52 <laughs> cards. But the guy that they picked to be my district leader in the MTC, uh, as soon as he arrived in the country, he lasted like a month, and then he just went literally insane and had to be sent home. <laughs> I wonder, wonder how often that happens. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened more than we hear about. Yeah. What, um, what's uh, a what's a basic day at the missionary training center? Is it like study study show? You get up you get up in the morning. Uh, you you how go early? immediately. How early class. do you get up in the morning? Uh, six thirty. Six thirty. Yeah, six thirty. Oh, go and uh, it's basically studying and eating. That's all you do. You go and you and it's all cafeteria style stuff. The food is very bland and gross. I mean, it's cafeteria style. So you go and you have like a bowl of cereal or something. Go to classes and you're in classes until lunch. You're in the class, you're in classes again until dinner. You have dinner and then usually there's some sort of uh, like a fireside or a meeting, a large group meeting where they talk about you know some sort of spiritual stuff. Especially if you're if you're learning a second language, it's just you don't have time to do anything else other than just study, study, study because you need to learn a language and few weeks. If you're not learning a language, what the hell are you doing? What are you studying? 
You know, I never worked that out because well, <laughs> you're there for only three weeks, and you go through the section of just practicing teaching the discussions over and over again with people, and it's for three it's weeks kind of, you're sitting there doing this shit. Pretty yeah. much. You, basically, because you're learning the lessons, um, you know what the you know here's the stuff it's okay to say. Here's the stuff that uh, you know that we've prepared for you to tell people. Now, uh, make outlines and just do them over and over and over again. Now, when you're learning a language, uh, you know you're going back and forth between computer integrated learning, where you're listening and and speaking in the language. Uh, you've got you know classes where you're just sitting there all day writing out sentences and learning grammar and stuff like that, and then. And it's it's uh, it's easier to take, um, but if you're just doing a, a native speaking thing, I imagine it's just boring as hell. Yeah, it's like being in church all day. That seems yeah. like total bullshit. Because I heard when uh, I was growing up or in seminary, I think is where I heard it, that the um, the government, the CIA and the FBI uses a. a the uh, techniques taught in the MTC to teach language because the church has the gift of tongues and they're like the best people in the... In oh my god, I heard yeah, that I heard same it. thing. Yeah, because the government yeah. has the gift of tongues. You didn't know that? <laughs> oh, god. I mean, now I'm not gonna, you know, I, <laughs> there is some truth to that because um, the best way to learn a language truly is being immersed in it, having no other choice. And you get closer to that in a classroom where you're not allowed to speak English or when you're sitting... In uh, you know, in a room with headphones where you're just listening to nothing but Spanish or whatever language, you know, it's that is the best way to learn a language. Uh, there's there's no spiritual element to this. This is just physically just hard work. You're, you, it's like uh, it's repetition is what it is. Yeah, repetition. Yeah, I Hearing mean, a lot of even even when I uh, heard that the first time, my thought was that well, for God's sakes, you're in there for a couple months. Then you get shipped out to the foreign language center. You know, you get shipped down to Peru or Chile or wherever you're going, and that's where most of your learning takes place. Yeah, that's true. You can't you learn a language in in two months. I guess you get you get kind of the basics down, right? But yes. what you have to do if you yeah to properly learn it, you got to learn the rules too. That's a very important part in reading and writing. Right. I mean, I was fortunate enough to have some really good Spanish teachers in high school. But yeah, when you're in the MTC, you're you are practicing um, uh, grammar stuff, and so when you hear it, you'll understand what it is, and you can form sentences once you get down there um, a whole lot better. Then it is then all it is from there on out. Once you hit the field itself, is uh, breaking the words apart because what it sounds like is someone just saying one long word, and you go, "What the hell did he just say?" Right. And uh, <laughs> being there and immersed in it helps you break find the breaks between words, and then you'll understand it. So you'd think yeah, that as soon as you land, you don't know anything. Really. It What's seems that? that you know, given the the Pentecost and and God's miracles, that you wouldn't need an MTC. You could just go get a little blessing and then fly over to uh, Italy and speak Italian. Well, I mean, if God could be. destroy with the Tower of Babel, I mean, why can't yeah, he, he bring started the all the back? goddamn languages in the first place? What's the point? He's why the one he... that's torturing you because <laughs> of this. <laughs> why doesn't he unscramble the language? All right, we interrupt this pre-recorded program to bring you this week's Skunk Dick Candidates. Yeah, all of you bitch enough about it if we don't do it, so we just want you to shut the hell up. <laughs> That's really the only reason we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. after all, I'm pretty sure on the, uh, the forum we were told we could take a couple weeks off. But there was so much skunk dickery this week, we really couldn't, in good conscience, take it off. Yeah, Charlie's got a point there. I mean, it... Uh... Take this one, for example. 
U.S. soldiers were punished for not attending a Christian concert. And basically, there is this, uh, this major in the army who has decided to run a spiritual concert to build spiritual strength. And so they uh, brought in these uh, gay-ass Christian singers. Why, why are these Christian singers gay again? Because I hate their music. You goddamn asshole. <laughs> you are heterosexist. Probably. I, <laughs> I am coming to the firm conclusion that Dance of the Seven Veils was right. And? So basically, he was, this major gave this person a choice. He gave, gave the company a choice. They were, <laughs> they were either to be subjected to... Uh, Barlow Girl. <laughs> the Christian rock music's edgy all-girl band Barlow Girl, which brought the armor of God to the warriors and families of Fort Eustis <laughs> during another installment of the Commanding General's <laughs> Spiritual Fitness Concert Series. Or they'd be tortured in another fashion. Yeah, yeah, by cleaning, which is torturous enough if there's not a woman there doing it. So this is not, I feel for these poor soldiers. On the one hand, you have to be subjected to one form of torture, and on the other hand, you have to spend the whole day cleaning. This was supposed to be an off day, wasn't it, for these guys? Yeah, yeah, basically, uh, they had a choice. Either go to the concert or be confined to barracks and work. And this yeah. was supposed to be their time off, their time for enjoyment. And those who have been in the military know how much we value our time off. Right, because you work so hard in the, in the rest of the week. No, no, we just value <laughs> our time off. <laughs> we don't have anybody lording over us telling us what to do. So they're marched up and they're given a fake choice, basically. Um, just like the fake choice Mormons have when they vote for the prophet or against the prophet. <laughs> yes, exactly. All those opposed? No one? No one? What a surprise. <laughs> those of us that chose not to attend, about 80 or a little less than half, so 50% <laughs> split right down the company. <laughs> those of us that chose not to attend were marched back to the company area. At that point, the NCO issued us a punishment. Well, listen, you got half without the punishment of being subjected to the Christian yeah. rock music. I mean, you I'd guys, love to hear edgy Christian rock music. You guys got off easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather clean. <laughs> so, uh, it's, again, um, so much for these tolerant Christian assholes, right? Well, you know, the funny thing is... Some of these guys were Muslim, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of them were Muslim, and there were even some Christians that, that got that in touch with it. the organization and said, you know what, this is just wrong. And the funny thing is, is the captain who actually issued the punishment, said he did so because he was trying to build unit togetherness, that he was trying to inspire everybody to come together underneath the Christian banner. Well, that last part I added, but that's what he was pretty much saying. <laughs> uh, Moroni's banner? Yeah, Moroni's banner. He just doesn't realize that he's Mormon in disguise. Uh, so, clearly an egregious violation of the separation of church and state, these, uh, the only reason he gave them a, quote, choice is to provide the um, appearance that he's not coercing these people, uh, which in reality is absolutely <laughs> yeah. false. Let's see. My choice is punishment from Barlow Girl or <laughs> punishment of cleaning. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'd be down there with a toothbrush. Half of them would rather clean. <laughs> <laughs> Go Barlow Girl. Number one fan right here. All right, the next skunk dick is uh, Reverend Franklin Graham, who had this to say about Obama. 
Well, first of all, I think uh, the, the president's uh, problem is that he was born a Muslim. His father was a Muslim. The seed of Islam is passed through the father, like the seed of Judaism is passed through the mother. He was born a Muslim. His father gave him an Islamic name. All right, I got one thing to say to Reverend Franklin Graham, uh, and I'm going to let Antoine say it for me. Antoine? You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. I love how these idiots can say this shit with a straight face. <laughs> The seed. Uh, the seed. only seed I know that was passed was sperm. So the, the seed. <laughs> a seed of Judaism is passed through the mother, and the seed of Islam is passed through the father. On what scientific basis, what evidence, Franklin, do you have for that assertion? X and Y. We all know that the X and Y chromosomes determine what Islam or Judaism. So tradition. Islam is on the Y chromosome. Uh huh. Judaism is on the X. What happens if a a Muslim father marries a Jewish mother. <laughs> They're fucked. <laughs> it's like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters. <laughs> the universe explodes. <laughs> Don't cross the streams. Well, he goes on to uh, give more of his scientific uh, pronouncements. Well, you, you know, you can, you can be born a Muslim, you can be born a Jew, but you can't be born a Christian. The only way you can become a Christian is by confessing your sins to God, asking his forgiveness, and by receiving Jesus Christ by faith into your heart. You, you get that? You can't be born a Christian. You can't, and uh, I'm going to wave the bullshit flag on that one. So apparently um, Franklin Graham re refers to the small children in his uh, parish as atheists? Yeah, atheists until they accept <laughs> Jesus in their heart. because He says they're children of Christian parents and not actually Christians themselves? Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. I'm sorry, you, you are holding up a double standard here. I'm because he was born a Muslim, suddenly he is a Muslim? Apparently, according to Franklin Graham, Islam is a race. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already determined that it's passed through the seeds. Yeah, I so. don't even know what the seed of Islam is. <laughs> or the seed of Judaism. Uh, it's, what do they call it, that redwood seed, since it comes really small and then grows really big? The I, mustard seed? Mustard seed, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to find an anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, our uh, last skunk dick candidate is uh, Newt Gingrich. He's back in the news again. Yeah, now, uh, Newt, as everybody knows, has been the sort of person who likes to flaunt moral values and is quick to stand up and point out when he sees something that is morally wrong. Uh, and rightfully so. Judge Walker's ruling overturning Prop 8 is an outrageous disrespect for our Constitution and for the majority of people of the United States who believe marriage is the union of husband and wife. In every state of the union, from California to Maine to Georgia, where the people have had a chance to vote, they've affirmed that marriage is the union of one man and one woman. Um, Newt considers the marriage so sacred that he's actually on his third. Yeah, and... Every single one has been between himself and a woman. So he is absolutely morally right <laughs> where this is concerned. Uh, his, his problem is he just doesn't like... He'll marry you until you get sick. Yeah. And then when he gets sick, he's out of here. He uh, ditched his first wife when she was in the hospital recuperating from cancer. I think he actually served papers to her while she was in the hospital recuperating from cancer. Boy, that is a man I want to have as my moral compass. And then his second wife... As, once again, she's in the hospital, he's out banging the secretary, who then becomes his third wife. What yeah. did she have? Multiple sclerosis Multiple or sclerosis. Well, as soon as he found out that she had multiple sclerosis, 
uh, he ditched her for the uh, his current mistress that he was currently banging. <laughs> yeah, the one he was banging behind closed doors. Oh, you want to be my wife? I just lost one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> my advice to Newt's third wife is, don't get sick. Yes. Make sure, look deep into your family roots and make sure you are healthy with good genes. I love how he says in every state of the union um, where people have had a chance to vote, they voted... Uh, against gay marriage as if our country is a direct democracy and therefore mob rule is the law right we don't have any basic human rights we can vote out the constitution we can vote out the bill of rights screw property values and, and right to privacy and um your right to bear arms and your <laughs> right to protection against unlawful search and seizure i'm sure newt would love it if uh, California voted to ban firearms, right? Yeah. Oh my God, we're a republic, not a democracy. Yeah. This must stop. We have certain basic rights. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Well, see, the intelligence of Newt comes down to this very statement. In every state of the Union, from California to Maine to Georgia. So we basically go from the West Coast to the East Coast, and then we just jump like two states. <laughs> and then, er, down south. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Now, Newt is actually kind of a, an interesting character. He sits there and he flaunts his, uh, his moral values, and yet he has no problems lying about uh, the dude who's trying to build the mosque down in New York by calling him a radical Islamist, and uh, he, he conveniently ignores the fact that this is the same guy that helped the FBI in all of this. Yeah, Newt's, Newt's bright in that... He can jump on a uh, topic that's current in order to kind of reformulate himself, rehabilitate himself, and get him back into the national scene. Gay marriage was one. That's kind of a little, I think, 2004. <laughs> <laughs> a little behind the times. But uh, the uh, mosque uh, is definitely kind of uh, one of those firebrand topics where, you know, these dumb, hick, redneck people, my God, Islam's going to build a mosque? Near ground zero? Fuck that! Where's our eagle? Let's fly it over there and kick their ass. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, what is a respectful distance from ground zero that, that you would allow a mosque? At least three blocks. <laughs> don't get it. Uh, if they have the right to do it, which I think everyone agrees they do, if they have the right to build it, I don't see where you go from there. What the hell? Or you just say, well, that's very insensitive. <laughs> I can't believe it. you would think of building a mosque two blocks away. And I'm sure there's going to be some of our listeners who are going to get all sorts of high-strung. But, I mean, seriously, this guy is not a radical in the least. He was actually fighting the radicals, and he always has been. If you do some research, he is against the radical side of things. Yeah, he, uh, he was a consultant for the FBI. This, is, this isn't um, someone who uh, you need to be... Campaigning against anyway. All right, let's feed this into the uh, irreligiosity, state of the art, sophisticated beer money purchased computer. <laughs> yes, worth all of about two bucks because of you cheap bastards. Rack mounted <laughs> cluster. Yeah, built myself with capacitors and resistors. <laughs> Vacuum tubes. <laughs> well, first, what's your vote? Oh yeah, uh, my vote is. Uh, Glenn Beck, just on principle. Just on principle. Well, I my vote is for Newt, just because he seems a lot like Glenn Beck. All right. 
Yeah, I, I bet they're bedfellows. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just I'm which, just asking questions. <laughs> which one's pitching and which one's catching is the real question. What? Okay, your vote's Newt. I'm going with Glenn Beck. All right, let's feed it in. Dr. Laura actually won it this week. How about that? Well, I'm kind of astonished because I didn't even see her on the radar. What exactly did Dr. Laura do? Well, for those of you who don't know, Dr. Laura is a conservative talk show host who gives out ridiculous advice to callers um, like, you know, if you don't like the fact that your husband is cheating on you, you better be better in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because it's all the woman's fault when the man cheats. It's like psychology from a Jerry Springer guest host. (laughs) You know, it's, it's unbelievable. So... Uh, this black lady calls into her show. She's concerned that her white husband and his friends uh, are a little racially insensitive. So let's listen in on this conversation. I, I don't think that's racist. No, I think that, no, no, no. Uh, I think that's, well, listen, without giving much thought, a lot of blacks voted for Obama simply because he was half black. Didn't matter what he was going to do in office. It was a black thing. You got to know that. How, how does she know that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she has she done know that? very detailed research into this. Yeah, I'm sure Dr. Laura isn't racist. She just believes that black people checked on that dotted line, oh, a black candidate. Wow, <laughs> would you look at that? It's black. I let's, don't care what he stands up. for. He's uh, black. Yeah, that... that. And uh, it, it's not insulting in the least no, to the black community that that's all they were paying attention to. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Yeah. Laura. And I'm sure Dr. Laura voted for Sarah Palin just because she was a woman. Well, every woman in the U.S. did. And if Obama had chosen uh, Hillary Clinton as his running mate, uh, that would have been a huge crisis for Dr. Laura. Yeah. Oh, my God, two women. <laughs> like, choose. <laughs> Yeah, that that's very but astute. Dr. Laura isn't done yet. We had friends over the other day. Got about 35 people here. The guys were going to start playing basketball. I was going to go out and play basketball. My bodyguard and my dear friend is a black man. And I said, white men can't jump. I want you on my team. That was racist? That was funny. Actually, that's neither racist nor funny. Yeah, that's just stupid. <laughs> She has a weird idea of what racist is. I, I'm just wondering what her black bodyguard was thinking at that moment. I love. Mm, I wonder if I could slam dunk her. I love how she points out that her black bodyguard friend is black. Yeah. <laughs> Some of my best friends are black. Yes, yes. I can't be racist. I keep them in my backyard just for looks. <laughs> it is not over yet. How about the N-word? No, the N-word's been thrown Got, around. Black guys use it all the time. Turn on HBO, listen to a black comic, and all you hear is nigger, nigger, nigger. I don't get it. If anybody if anybody without enough melanin says it, it's a horrible thing. But when black people say it, it's affectionate. It's very confusing. Don't hang up. I want to talk to you some more. Don't go away. What I love here is Anybody the, without enough melanin? Yeah. If you're not pigmented, if you're not dark enough, you can't use a term. I, I realize what it means. Thank you. What I like here is that she doesn't have enough melanin, and she's really pissed off that she can't use the word. <laughs> That's our word. We started it. It should be ours. I'm taking it back. <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god. She's pissed off that she cannot use that word. Yeah, well, turn on HBO. You black people use it. I should be able to use it. Yeah, this is a double standard. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we got a black man as president, and we have more complaining about racism than ever. I mean, I think that's hilarious. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, and, you know, when we finally get an atheist as president, that will be it. No more discrimination against atheism. I don't want to hear. It's like yeah. she's she's like uh, Orson Scott Card, who's <laughs> against gay marriage. And he's like, all right, this much, but no further. I'm drawing the line. <laughs> any further, right? any more black jokes above black babies. And <laughs> like, that's the line yeah. right there. Like Dr. Laura's like, all right, I allowed a black man to be president. Now shut the fuck up about racism. <laughs> It's over. Yeah, we we have conquered racism because we have a black president. That's it. Oh my God! But she's not racist, right? Oh, of course not. Is it okay to say that word? Is it ever okay it's to say a, that word? It depends how it's said. Black guys talking to each other seem to think it's okay. But you're not black. They're not black. My oh, I see. So a word is restricted to race. Got it. There she is. She's pissed again that she can't use it. Well, that's because she's not using it right. Now, if you use it in the form of a question, then it's okay. But as an exclamation, it's it's just wrong. I don't know the I don't know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really care. Uh if if um black people want to use the term to kind of own it and say that this has no power over me anymore, I'm using it in a conversation, fine. It's the same thing as gay people using the term fag and queer, right? Yeah. We use it because, you know, you guys have used it as a hammer and a tool of oppression for us. We are going to take it and, and own it ourselves, right? Yeah. That's what's going on, Dr. Laura. They are turning it around. They're owning it. Well, Do you go up to gay people and say, you use the term fag? I need to use it too! <laughs> <laughs> but I can't! <laughs> And you're absolutely right. She is pissed off because the word has been taken away from her and she can no longer use it. She's all, wait, I thought it was unfair to use that term. I thought it was racist. And now you guys are using it. Now I want to use it over and over again. It's my right. What about me? Yes, you are oppressing the white man. (laughs) I'm being oppressed by the black man. Oh, my God. All right. Um, One final... Uh, exchange between these two, and I think we'll, we're done. I think this kind of conclusively shows why she won Skunk Dick this week. I can't believe someone like you is on the radio spewing out the nigger word, and I hope everybody. I didn't heard spew it. out the you nigger word. Nigger, nigger, nigger. Right. I said that's what you hear. Heard it. Yes, they did. I but hope you, everybody heard it. So what they did, and I'll say it again. Word? Nigger, nigger, nigger is what you so hear on HB. It- why don't you let me finish a sentence? Okay. Don't take things out of context. Don't double a- NAACP me. Take it, leave of, them in context. Means, and I know it came from a white person, and I know the white person made right. it bad. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Can't have this argument. You know what? If you're that hypersensitive about color and don't have a sense of humor, don't marry out of your race. Well, welcome to 1945. Oh, you know, all I've got to say is all of you complain about my insensitivity? I have just been topped. I am shocked that we found someone outside of Utah that is more of a racist than Leighton. That, that is astonishing. I'm shocked. And I don't even use that word. <laughs> <laughs> now, what kills me is she went and apologized 
But then she was uh, mad that uh, uh, advertisers pulled out of the show, even after she apologized. She said she was sorry, for God's sakes. Yeah, I'm sorry for saying it over and over again <laughs> and telling people not to marry outside their race. I don't understand what's wrong with that. Why do you people think I'm uh, a racist? What the hell? I mean, seriously, that's <laughs> so, simple. So she's going to stop doing her show and focus on other venues where her First Amendment rights are not abridged or violated. Podcasts? Again... I don't think she understands the First Amendment. Listen, Dr. Laura, you could say whatever you want. No one stormed your radio show with guns and gagged you and prevented you from saying it. But you see, we also have our freedom of speech, and we could criticize you for saying stupid shit. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, freedom so of speech doesn't mean freedom from criticism. I, I can predict something. This new venue she's going to, it will be changed as soon as she says something as hilariously stupid as this. I love it. My freedom of speech is being abridged. Yes, I, I can't believe you guys would be against something that I said. That's <laughs> that's just un-American not to agree with me. Oh, God. I have a black bodyguard, I, damn it! <laughs> some of my best friends are black! <laughs> uh, I would suggest to Dr. Laura, you, you get yourself a time machine, go back to 1945, and you'll feel right at home. Yeah, you can say whatever you want at that point. All right, uh, back to the show. Yeah, they used to do that. They used to just send them to the country and say, figure it out. They used to send them out and have them beg for food. They, right. They, they walk around. They <laughs> travel without any... purse or script, right? Yeah. Just like in the scriptures. Like monks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we and... were poor, but we weren't begging for food. That's... We were spending crystal money and buying our own food. <laughs> That's what we were doing. <laughs> Nice. But if the church was truly inspired, they wouldn't have need for manuals, including the uh, missionary manuals. Uh, right, yeah, exactly. The spirit could just do everything. If the spirit was truly, you know, used or useful, uh, we wouldn't need scriptures either because we would just, you know, feel it. We would just know. We would just know. Well, that, right. That's why you don't have to sit there for three weeks learning lessons and learning how to teach it and what not to say. Mm -hmm. So yeah. much for inspiration. Do you spend a lot of the time... Uh studying or any time on your own are you given kind of free time on your own to read the scriptures or is it all pretty much set out for you it's pretty much line like you're studying this at this time this at this time this at this time so you have like half hour that you're supposed to do language study half an hour that you're supposed to study with your assigned companion and i remember just feeling like i'd like to just read the stuff that i want to read but it was there was never time allotted for that Wow, this sounds like going on vacation with Sean's wife. It's uh, it sounds yeah. like boot camp, really. Boot camp yeah, for Mormons. It really is. It's, it absolutely it's is. It's an indoctrination center. It's very yeah. everything is very <laughs> obedience focused, and it's, you're doing this, you're doing this. Yeah, I mean, you are taught from the time you know you're a zygote that the mission rules are extremely important that you cannot even waver slightly from them. So uh, any any slight missteps, like waking up. You know, even a minute after six thirty, you're gonna pay for it. You know, so <laughs> you you are scared to not obey every rules with exactness. They want perfect obedience. They want you know, uh, little automatons as you call them. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Also, you have to read a half an hour of Book of Mormon every day of your mission. That's a rule. Oh God. So I've read it a lot of times. I think that is against the Geneva Convention. <laughs> Should be. <laughs> Jeez. One of the interesting things in the, the uh, missionary training centers, they have you do like 
practice lessons. They have members come in and they videotape you teaching a lesson and then they review the video, tell you what you're doing wrong. Yeah, you know, actually that sounds very familiar. I was an orientation leader at the University of Utah and they would have a little discussion that we'd explain, you know, here's the requirements uh, to graduate in general, here's the liberal education requirements, here's the specifics about all this stuff. And, you know, then we go on a tour. But in order to be passed off, in order to do this to the incoming students, we'd have to actually present it to one of the other orientation leaders, and then they give us feedback. It sounds exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's absolutely no inspiration here. It's just hammering it in your head and teaching you what to say. Yeah, and it's especially when I was there because it was I was going there during the time when everyone was just doing everything by rote. That you get into the field and you have to have all of the six discussions. It's broken down that way, and you have to have all of them memorized, and then you give them in the way that they've been memorized. You said these. We should these probably have you uh, give us one of those lessons right now. <laughs> For memory in Spanish, I bet I could still do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did it. You have like to fucking a thousand times. Yeah, that, that's yeah, bad. That, that was a lot of Guinnesses ago, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's terrible. Still trying to drink it away someday. <laughs> uh, now, uh, it, you are videotaped and you're looking and it's like, okay, you have to have, uh, make eye contact when you say a certain phrase and, and be sure and testify and speak with conviction. Have so wait, 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 wait. They actually teach you when to stop, look up, and show your affection for these people? Yeah, it's all very manipulative. and like sales techniques and all this stuff. It's, a, it's half sales is what they're teaching you in the NPC. Yeah, right. And like how to how to manipulate people's emotions. They actually say, "Now pause for dramatic thing. You got to you know milk the silence. Got to make sure that you know to increase the impact." Mm -hmm. And ask questions like, uh, you know, what? How many of your friends would you like to see in heaven? You know, uh, (laughs) oh, encourage them to get to give you references and stuff like that. Would it be important to you? A lot of uh, questions start out that way. Would it be important? Uh. Will you follow the example of the Savior? Yeah. yeah. Just leading questions. Sales. It's mostly sales. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it helped me a lot because I do sales now. So. Yeah, I think that's fairly common um, for Mormons to come back and uh, hook up with, like, the Cutco Knives people. <laughs> Billy Mays here? Yeah. 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 But it is, yeah, I mean, it's good training. You're selling something for those two years. You're essentially selling stuff. Well, I'm counting back, and four out of the six of my brothers who went on a mission are in sales and did join some sort of multi-level marketing thing and so on and so (laughs) forth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're primed for it because you're trained not to think, uh, be obedient, do this, and uh, unrealistic promises. It's all the same. And you're reading a set of literature and just, uh, you know. Reciting it back. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. Yeah, it's no different. So, yeah, so exactly. is there any testing involved for this stuff other than, you know, just kind of presenting it? Is there any possibility that someone's going to get washed out of this MTC and go home because they just are so goddamn incompetent? Yeah. No, so, there's actually – you yeah. can be as incompetent as is possible and they'll still send you on your way. When Chris was out about uh, – out on his mission – about you know the the next general conference was when they quote unquote raised the bar. You probably heard about that, where um, where the prophet got up and said, "This this new generation of missionaries, it's not going to be send out your boys to go get a testimony. They should have a testimony before they get out here." 
we want to have a, a you know an amazing new generation of missionaries in which the lessons are not just you know prepared uh, are not just uh, given you know verbatim but they teach by quote unquote the spirit where you learn the um, you learn the gospel and the principles and then you teach specifically for your investigator yeah i would say why don't we start with you mr prophet and your stupid fucking quotes and your goddamn script writers Every yeah. goddamn time they get in the general conference, you know, they have those little quotes that will appear uh, underneath them. Clearly this is pre-written, so why don't you get some uh. balls and stand up there without a pre-written speech and go ahead and talk for 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Just coming I've heard the... some people talk from the spirit. It's not such a good thing. <laughs> That's well, this, why yeah, they this, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> this coming from the guy who sent me a form letter, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, and there is the scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants where it says, uh, whatever man says, um, you know, when speaking by the Spirit will be scripture, will be the mind of the Lord, the will of the Lord, and all that. Right. So, uh, yeah, you're taught to believe that. If you're teaching by the Spirit, you know, they say, um, I, that's also in the Doctrine and Covenants scripture, I forget which one, where you're supposed to fill yourself up with the knowledge so that it's ready to come out, you know, whenever it's needed. Which sounds an awful lot like studying and remembering shit. Like, that's not the, you don't need the spirit to do that. I was going to say it sounds an awful lot like masturbation, but... Yeah. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. <laughs> also found in the Doctrine and Covenants. Don't practice too much. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All right, so you, you graduate from the MTC. There's no way you wash out of it. You just do your time, and you're sent out into the mission field. What happens yep. at that point? You guys... Are you picked up by your parents, or does the church shuttle you off to the airport? Well, wait, wait. Can you wash out of the mission field just by being completely dumb and not not nope. being people alone? No, just for immoral reasons, right? Once you get to the mission. Yeah. If if you you know there are people who um, who, who comes up that they didn't resolve an issue with their bishop or something like that, and they get sent home. It happens sometimes, not that. Oh, oh, I just remembered a. <laughs> this the I a, a guy got sent home a, a couple of them. Uh, they cut their own hair and uh, like used the bed sheets, uh, you know, wrapped around them, and got their hair all in the thing and all the sheets and stuff. And when it got washed, the hair got everywhere. They got sent home from the mission. Got <laughs> <laughs> sent home from the mission. That's weird. I don't know. That's like I mean, because there is a barber shop there. Like every week, you can have some time to go and get your hair cut to that really short uh, missionary haircut. But uh, yeah, if you cut your own hair, I don't even know what it wasn't like a floby or something they had. But they they <laughs> uh, they cut their own hair and got hair all over the sheets because the sheets get like picked up every week or every day. Or I forget how often. And uh, uh, then it gets it got it got thrown into the mix and got hair all over and ruined a bunch of uh, a bunch of sheets. And they got sent home for the mission. I would seriously hope those sheets would get picked up every day because you got to imagine you guys are forced into the MTC. You're not allowed to even think about women. The wet dreams you guys must have been having. You got no time for them. <laughs> yes. uh, all you're dreaming is scriptures and uh, yeah, they've, s- yeah. they've slotted special... out your dreaming as well in 30 minutes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Half an hour block for wet dreams, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's on a time schedule. I can see that. So you guys, essentially, there's no big graduation or you guys are done or blah, blah, blah. You're just kind of shipped out. Yeah, you get your uh, plane tickets and you go on the uh, eight-hour flight. It was down to South America. Yeah, I'd like to. Was it? Long? It was. Was it yeah. ten hours? It was something like that. It was really damn long. But uh, it was funny because the on that trip, um, 
I, like you're not supposed to watch TV. That's one of the rules. But like they had the TV on and the screen in front of me on the plane, so I watched uh, CNN. I watched, uh, and it was in Spanish too. I watched um, a thing on obesity. And autism in Spanish. It was like la obesidad and autismo. <laughs> and I just watched that, and uh, I slept like the entire flight down. Well, yeah, because they they run your ragged all day, every that day for weeks. Right. Yeah. Right. Exhaustion. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get into that once you. There were no Spanish sitcoms <laughs> on. I'm the bumblebee <laughs> Excellent. All right, so now you arrive in your foreign country. What happens now? You're assigned a different companion? Yeah, well, it's – yeah, because you'll uh, you'll need to get trained. So the guy who's been your companion the whole time in the MTC, he's, he's not going to know any more than you do. So you, you get to your mission, and you go to, like, the, the mission office thing where they show you this really cheesy PowerPoint slide where they try and give you a basic introduction into here's what you just got yourself into, and here's a little bit of the cultural cues, and here's – you know, uh, some of the rules that are specifically for this mission and all that stuff. And, um, you know, they'll give you a meal, which uh, I learned that they later charged you for. <laughs> they took it out of your monthly allowance. Oh, wow. oh that's just... Wow. Oh, those dicks. Oh. Yeah. And there they, uh, they assign you to your senior companion, your trainer. And this is the guy who is going to be... Uh, training you for the next uh, you know six weeks to three months, depending on how much they move them around. Uh, now it's uh, it goes in six week cycles called a transfer, and um, so every transfer you can you may stay in your area or you may move to a different area, and and you know areas generally like a city. So you have like zones that are you can think of it as like a county, and areas would be more like a city. Gen- I'm speaking general terms, and the mission is the whole. Uh, however, the collection of counties is now Argentina has like eight to ten missions, I think, in it. So mine was the Buenos Aires West mission, and it was you know it had part of the federal capital, but went out into the middle of nowhere. So um, you you get assigned your trainer, and um, and for the like six weeks, three months, you get you know you're walked around and you're you know you're trained in the ways of being a missionary in the field, and you see that it's radically different from any. A fake scenario that was brought up in the MTC or anything you've ever heard in real life, and we'll get into the culture shock and stuff that you have to deal with in a second. But um, yeah, that's uh, that is your training. So moving on to the average missionary day, what is it like? You guys wake up; it's your first day in the mission field. You're so you get so excited that you sleep for another thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now you still wake up every single day at six thirty, and uh, or is it six or six thirty? Six thirty. 6:30. Always 6.30. And you have your first couple of hours planned out. It's like you have a certain amount of time to make breakfast, and then you have to study for like an, an hour to an hour and a half. And you're studying like there's a half an hour of Book of Mormon study, half an hour of like um, teaching tactics and stuff like that, and basically your sales chops. Uh, and then just companionship study where you're supposed to study together with your companion, which nobody ever really does. Right. Because that you usually sounds... hate your companion because you spend every minute with them. So. <laughs> I do that every damn day. You still, you still don't study the Bible, huh? It seems like if you're going to South America, you'd uh, encounter a lot of Catholics and you'd want to know your Bible to um, fight Yeah, but Catholics ground. don't know their Bible. They don't know anything. Are you kidding <laughs> me? You get people who didn't even know who Noah was that I was talking to on the streets. <laughs> it's funny because you hear this all the time, like especially in the MTC. It's like, 
you know, the scriptures are true, but only, uh, you know, the Bible hasn't been translated correctly, or, or, it's, or it's a rough translation. It's been through many generations and many uh, uh, false prophets and many, you know, interpretations and languages and stuff like that, so it's not pure. But the Book of Mormon is pure. The Doctrine and Covenants right. and the Pearl of Great Price are the purest, you know, is going to be the best source of spiritual strength. I got that all the time in the MTC. Yeah, plus the, the Bibles that they give you, like the Spanish language Bibles that we have, no. some of them had extra books in them. That's right. Cool. Some of them, they have like part of the, um, uh, like the Gnostic Gospels maybe, or no, the uh, the Apocrypha. Part of the Apocrypha is yeah. Yeah. Think so. That's awesome. Yeah. I yeah, never really it, read the Bible because I was told that it was shit. So <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I really did. I just read the Book of Mormon over and over again. Um, what happens if you really, really hate a companion? Can you like trade up or something? If you create a, a contentious enough environment, <laughs> then <laughs> probably you, something will happen. You bitch about them enough in your present interview, maybe, but uh, they usually tell you to be humble and work together. It's, uh, yeah, they're trying to resolve everything by yourself, pretty much. If you wait long enough, you're going to get a new companion anyway. How long? Are, yeah. How long does each one last? Well, if and any period of six weeks, you can you know it's in groups of six weeks, and so you could be there for one group of six weeks, or two, or three, or four, or five. So it, Woo, the longest so I was with be. someone, I was with the same guy for like six months. Whoa! That was the gayest statement yeah. I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I only had one bed. So. Uh, and. <laughs> One blanket, I'm sure, to snuggle for warmth. After one all pillow. <laughs> Lots of bite marks. Yes. So you have that first like hour and a half of your day planned out. Actually, I think it's probably more like two hours. And then you get kind of this time in the morning where you're supposed to go out and just preach. It's whatever, whatever you take that to mean, either knocking on doors to talk to people or talking to people in the streets or getting references from existing members or checking inactive member roles, uh, just trying to find people to teach. In my mission, uh, it was so retarded, you had to um, uh, bear testimony to each other. You know, you testified your companion about his divine calling and mission and how awesome you're going to do that day and stuff. It's the day. <laughs> you had day. to testify every day? Yes. Every day to your <laughs> companion. Is this like Stuart Smalley? You're good enough? <laughs> yeah. And oh, darn yeah. smart enough? Oh, got it. People like you. Yeah. Uh, Not you me, but people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you proselyte from 9.30 to 9.30, pretty much. You get one hour for lunch and no dinner. At least in my mission, that was the case. Um, these days, they, they kind of changed it with the whole Preach My Gospel thing, the, the later thing, uh, to make it in your apartment by 9 o'clock, unless you're teaching a lesson you have till 9.30. Uh, you must have a meeting with your companion about the day and plan for the next day. And then lights out at ten o'clock or ten thirty. So this Good is Lord. every day. When you yes. proselytize, is that you just walk out randomly, select people, knock on doors? What do you do? Yeah. How do you? How are you guided? I mean, I know they always say you're supposed to listen to the spirit, but seriously, they have to have some sort of guideline. Otherwise, if I was on the mission, I'd just keep walking by people, saying, "Nope, not feeling it. Let's go." <laughs> Yeah, some days you just feel like such crap, you, you kind of do that. But there is an actual hierarchy that there, it's in the, uh, um, the, it's called the White Bible. It's basically the missionary's rule book. That you, and it's, um, you know, it's like a, a size of a three by five card and it has all the mission rules and you keep it and you're supposed to like read it a hundred times a day and all that stuff. Um, and uh, they have a hierarchy of how you're supposed to find people. And it's like, number one, obviously, is member references because it's people that they know that, 
um, that's you know would have a better rapport with you, and you can sit down and teach them and all that stuff. And then like you know, there's about ten of them I think on that list, and the very bottom ones were talking to random people and handing out pamphlets. And you spend most of your time talking to random people and handing out pamphlets because <laughs> the members didn't really ever do anything for you. Yeah, well, <laughs> or you spend a lot of time harassing members. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Is there any guidelines for because they seem to hang around funerals and that sort of thing when people in the family die? Yeah, is, I noticed that too. Is there is there any guidelines specifically given to you to you know, like vultures? You kind of sit around and say, you know, this is a golden missionary opportunity here. This guy's croaked. You can uh, tell him that you'll be together forever with him. Nothing was ever said specifically about that. Not to me. Oh my, my god! In the uh, MTC, that was routinely mentioned. Yeah. Like a lot of times, examples were given of that, but people didn't want to go out and, and say that just because it sounds so hard. <laughs> sounds a little insensitive. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Oh, is that your son that's dead there? Well, uh, you two aren't going to be together, but we have a way to bring you back together. I mean, that's just fucked up. All right, Elder. Back let's, your son. Yeah. Let's let's role play this out. <laughs> Let's just pretend like we know what's going to happen when the mother takes you out with a right hook. <laughs> That's awesome. They they talk a lot about in the in the new uh, manual, especially of building on common things. Like if you're talking to someone and you sense that family is really important to them, you go straight for families and eternal families, and everything is is you know you can do this because you'll see your son again. You and uh, I remember you know. I've even done a couple of those contacts where you do that, and and it is it is just so so awful. <laughs> yeah. What well, what the expectation is that you talk to fifty people a day? Oh, uh, Lord. No, a week. Fifty people a week. week. Yeah, so about seven mission. people a day. Is you, there somebody standing above you making sure you do this? I mean, how do they know you guys aren't just down there dicking around at the basketball? Turn court? in your hours like a truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, you, you, every week you're supposed to write a letter to the mission president and telling him of the statistics, like all the people you talk to that week. Now, um, in my mission, you're actually supposed to uh, make 50 street contacts and uh, and 50 invitations to a member to do something missionary related. And I'll get into what that is um, every single week. So you have these statistics that you have to do every single week. And uh, you can just make that shit up because these you guys could. have... And plenty of people do. Yeah. Yeah, I was no going to say, I would just make well, that shit up. And did you ever get up. called on that? The guy's like, the spirit is telling me you didn't make 50 speed <laughs> contacts. Well, they do have the gift of discernment. You're right. Yeah. So, I, I, to play it safe, I just did my actual work. Like I said I was going to. Yeah, but I mean, they say, like, talk to 50 people. and it's just, or they, they'll, they'll, I remember one week, they're like, talk to 200 people this week. And you're like, there's not 200 people in this city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I talk to the same person 200 times? <laughs> yeah. And, so, and you either – you get kind of pressured into inflating your numbers a little bit. You're, oh, yeah. Whether or not you're making it up or you can kind of say like, well, I kind of talked to – or like, I think it was about this many people or, you know, probably right. Well, I mean, yeah. they said that person in, counts. Yeah, yeah. In my mission, it was, you know, 50 and 50. And 50 is the floor, not the ceiling. The minimum is 50. And, you, and, every, and, and you get pressured to do more than 50 street contacts. And uh, yeah, it's it's awful. <laughs> so basically, what, you're pressured into doctoring your numbers because that's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no, we had to. I mean, again, I didn't because <laughs> I said I did what I said I was gonna do. But um, what usually happens is, you know, you do as many as you can throughout the week. But you know, Saturday night comes and you're, you know, 
pretty far away from your goal, like, crap, we have to talk to like 15 people tomorrow, and we have to sit through three hours of church, so we get a smaller amount of time to do this, and so you just go and harass everybody, and, uh, you know, no one gets away, <laughs> and uh, what's even worse is the invitations, I fucking hated these, it was the worst, because what you're supposed to do is like, uh, you're supposed to schmooze them, you know, maybe if you're at their house, and they'll, uh, you know, you maybe invite a friend to lunch, and we'll give them a lesson while they're there, and and uh, or give them this uh, pamphlets and and uh, talk about it with a friend. And um, you're supposed to do this 50 times every week, and you're in the same area. You see these people every week, and so what usually happens again Saturday night, you don't have your stats up. So what you do right before church is you grab this massive pile of pamphlets. And just go around giving these complete bullshit invitations to anyone who can't run away from you fast enough at the end of sacrament. <laughs> so like, you guys are like the the stripper salesman down in Vegas, where they just keep slapping those. <laughs> I, I totally felt like a whore. I hated it so much. And uh, yeah, and when you don't get fifty and fifty, you got crap from your zone leader, your district leader, and uh, later from the president in uh, in either an interview or oh, you know, um, in in the uh, big mission meetings where it says you guys have to do this it's important mm -hmm. and because and, uh, I mean, my, my mission president was a, a businessman he was a numbers guy he was a bean counter so uh, I can understand and, and I mean you do have to kind of quantify things to measure your progress and stuff but not everything you know this is and what really bothered me about that is, is um, my my work was being decided on really something that was not in my control I can't control if someone's listening to me or not or if someone goes out and invites a friend to do something and so it's like why is my salvation dependent on someone else that's that's not right and um and that's always been a thing that's bothered me about the church it's, uh, yeah. so what happens if you are routinely below you're honest and you're routinely below do you get called in and say look you're not performing very well uh oh, yeah. we're gonna send you back to the mtc no <laughs> they want to assume that you're sinning and uh and you yeah you get you get crap from you get um yeah, do they extend the time you're forced to be there if you're significant? <laughs> that is a good question. Uh, the mission president has the authority to um, to extend um, six weeks or send someone home six weeks early. It's like and still return with honor. They have that leeway, and any more than that is uh, has to have special permission from an area authority. So if someone like wants to go back a transfer early or six weeks early to get to school, which happens sometimes, not often, or wants to extend an mission another six weeks. The mission president can do that and okay that. Hmm. That's interesting. I always wondered how my nunchucka wielding brother got sent home for smoking. So they must have gone up to a higher authority. <laughs> Did he really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got sent home early because uh, he was smoking and hanging out with the wrong crowd, that sort of thing. So they sent home. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, but he still went on a mission, so he's better than me. Yeah, yeah. Well, but he didn't return with honor, so he's a schmuck. Right. <laughs> How long was he there? What, like, did he almost make it? Uh, he was like a year and a couple of months. Uh, it wasn't really even that close. Yeah, that's, that's loser status. <laughs> <laughs> you will get an ugly wife. <laughs> Is he married, <laughs> Late? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's married actually, and uh, we'll just continue on without commenting on the wife. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right, just, so just imagine toothpicks. And a poodle head. <laughs> so you... <laughs> that, that, I'm, I'm working on scrubbing that image from my mind. 
that is pretty much an adept description. So I hope your brother doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> you really okay, think they're listening to this? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I had uh, my family uh, try to listen. They didn't get more than five or ten minutes into one. They were so horribly offended. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, no kidding. Yeah, just by the language, I think. They didn't even get into any of the topics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too many F words. Now, um, you mentioned that the church was kind of harping on you to bring up the, these points that are selling points, like the eternal family and blah, blah, blah. Did they give you any instruction on sensitive doctrines, like uh, God is a married person who lives on a planet that circles around the star Kolob? <laughs> Uh, a lot of the people that I encountered uh, were were very uneducated. They, I mean, a lot of them didn't even know who uh, Noah was. So they yeah. never really got to that point for me, uh, maybe a couple of times. But, I mean, uh, the Book of Abraham never came up. I mean, nothing right. really came up. Wow. None of that They're... stuff. All the stuff that made me leave the church, none of that stuff ever really came up. It really sounds like those missionaries your wife dragged over, Charlie. We just harangued them like they have <laughs> never been harangued. That's just bad. It was probably well, in Utah, experience. they may run into that stuff. But, I mean, in South America, nobody knows anything about that. So they didn't tell you specifically avoid sensitive doctrines of the church. They probably didn't have to tell you that. No, because none of the missionaries had heard that stuff ever. So they didn't That's even know true, it. too. Yeah, and, and one of the phrases um, that they taught us in the MTC was, uh, we're not obligated to answer all their questions. We're just obligated to tell them what they need to know. Yes. Oh, God. Which is... All you brown folk can have the priesthood now. <laughs> All of you brown ones out there, if you are righteous, you'll become white like us. Did you ever go into, when you talk to these people in South America, that um, they were the descendants of Lamanites? Did you guys ever talk about that? Uh, yes. Only, only a couple of times. And most of the people uh, in, in Argentina are actually Italians. So they're like as white as me. All right, so, so they're, they're transplants from... Yeah, there were only a couple. Yeah, they well, were a lot of them were uh, fleeing Nazi war criminals as well. Right. They, I don't know if you ran into a lot of them. Yeah, I did. Excellent. Hitler lives on. You know, yeah, I, I, I do remember talking, uh, saying that to some people. That they, um, they're the remnant of a fairly wicked uh, race. <laughs> but <laughs> well, it's like this is the history of your people. But they will blossom as the rose, and you guys will, you know, the good news is you'll become several shades lighter once you accept the gospel. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so anyway, um, you talk about the culture shock that you guys uh, experienced. What's really strange is that everything about the teaching program is very ethnocentric. We're, we were there as much teaching about being American as we were as, as teaching Mormonism, because everything about the church is so westernized and so American. It's such an American church. So everything that they were used to doing, like they would give kisses on the cheek to say hello and stuff, and we would say, no, you shouldn't do that. (laughs) It's just every cultural thing, it would be like, no, that's not how we do it in America, so you shouldn't do it. Why, that's an American. Yes. (laughs) Don't you want to be like America, where we eat cows all day? There would be people who would say that, and the response often was, we are in America. Just because it's South America doesn't mean it's not America. Yeah, they get real offended. They say that we're in America. Yeah. I also made the mistake of telling someone I was from England. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Argentina, England, better. Yeah. I, I just uh, said it because um, 
I don't remember why I said. Well, there was a strong anti-American sentiment because that might have been why. Well, because I landed in, I went to Uruguay, and I landed there the week before 9/11. There was a really strong anti-American sentiment after the war started. Yeah. It, and like people were always throwing rocks at us, and I got shot at once. <laughs> Did you say, "Hey, stop it, or we'll invade you next"? <laughs> now, what it is, he stood on a brick wall and held at his arms, and all the bullets missed him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it all comes down to magic underwear. Yeah. Yeah. Miraculous. Those of you not familiar with the Samuel the Lamanite story, that's. Uh... <laughs> oh no! I know exactly what you're talking about. The dude sat up there screaming at all the Lamanites because they were wicked, and then he jumped off, ran away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you should have had a great big flag and ran around, you know, that says freedom, and just run around with the flag, like William Wallace. Oh. <laughs> you know, it, it's that that statement right there that makes my dad believe that the Lamanites and the Nephites were very educated people because when Captain Moroni wrote out the freedom on the flag and then started marching up and down to gather warriors that people could read it and follow him. Yeah, people don't follow charismatic readers, you know, being illiterate ever. Yeah. Yeah. They they thought the flag actually said uh free egg McMuffins. Not free tacos this way. <laughs> you're, you're, you're you're thinking the wrong climate, Charlie. Oh, free sorry. tacos or burritos. Right. South America. Yes. No, no, McMuffins cuz we want to Americanize them. <laughs> you should stop that right now. So right, it's a culture. Ahead. It's a culture shock, uh, both in the sense that you're, you're in a completely different culture, but also in the sense that um, are, are you are you getting used to this um, massive change in your daily schedule yet? I mean, I guess it's been about three months or so. Yeah, I mean, you get indoctrinated with the living a very rigid schedule by being yeah. in a missionary training center. You get there, and yeah. the schedule is. Uh, if anything, it's less rigid because you know you have, you know, not every second of your day is planned out. Like some sometimes, oh, you, when you're out proselytizing, yeah. you're like, yeah, different things may happen. You never really know what's going to happen. You could start talking to somebody and it could lead somewhere or not. Yeah, gotcha. you don't plan every second, or you have to plan now. You don't have it all planned for you. You also are not uh, sitting down for 16, 18 hours a day in a classroom. You are walking around all the time, and so you have to break your, your legs into walking that much because, you, you know, you get set up a lot, so you're walking around a lot and uh, go through several pairs of shoes with all the walking that you do. But uh, So in a you know, sense, the- it's, it's better than the MTC actually being out in the field. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, I would say. Uh, the, they're both pretty pretty rigid. And yeah, which circle of hell is worth? I don't know. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. No, wait, wait, wait. A question just popped up in my mind. How rigid are they where separating male and female missionaries in the MTC? Extremely. Yeah, extremely. I mean, like in their own separate dorms. We actually had two sisters in uh, on our district, but, I mean, they were there during the classes and not there during any other time. Like, they were in and out. There was very little contact with them. Kind of the same in the field as well, because they'll be there for some of the weekly meetings and stuff like that, but then you won't see them any other time. Yeah. Oh, uh, culture shock. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of things that are different about Argentina. I mean, like I was saying, you got, you've got you uh, got trucks with loudspeakers on them, you know, shouting out, like, La bolsa de papa vale 10 pesos, huevo, huevo. You know, going down the street, you see horse-drawn carriages, you see extreme poverty, um, you know. Uh, soccer balls be kicked everywhere. The road, you know, no paved roads. The road is composed of, you know, like sixty percent just garbage. And uh, you see um, 
dogs with manes, like walking skeletons and all fornicating with each other. It's just disgusting. <laughs> and the smell of burnt trash everywhere. You know, so it's it is a culture shock, and not to mention the weird dialect of Spanish that that resembles nothing like you studied in the MTC or in school. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's that is much more of a culture shock than uh, than just MTC to not MTC. So, um, so mostly, it really is the culture that that's uh, you're, you're kind of like <laughs> the culture itself that's bothering you because this time you you've pretty much been inculcated into the whole desensitized schedule. to it. Yeah. Desensitized. You know, you're already fully indoctrinated, a head full of knowledge, a bunch of prepared statements of what you're going to say. You know, once you can actually speak the language. Yeah, the real culture shock is that you you've prepared yourself to talk to people that you're going to understand and that they're going to react in a positive way to you. And none of those things end up being true. Right. <laughs> yeah, suddenly, you don't have any friends anymore. Yeah, well, it's just like, well, in, in all of the outlines that I read, I say this, and then they ask me, you know, an insightful question back, and it's nice when you have a good conversation. Yeah, there's there's no slamming a door in your face training in the NPC. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> there should be. There should be. There should. Be. There, you know, there should be, and they should also have it where they uh, scream obscenities at you in, in both <laughs> English and Spanish all day. <laughs> yeah, you should be totally prepared for that. I bet that happens a, a lot. Yeah, I've been called every filthy thing in the English and Spanish language. They love to scream English curse words at you because I think it's the only English words they know. But uh... <laughs> that's what you got to learn in every first language uh, or every new language you go to is all the curse words. That's the important. And how to ask where the bathroom is. Uh, never and got that far as mostly curse words. Is your daughter 18? <laughs> yes, very important one. Well, you know, I, I got a question for you two. Now, it, it's something that has always just kind of boggled my mind, but every single brother of mine came back with this. So did a, a bunch of my friends who went on missions. Why is there such a fascination with taking a picture of your companion either shitting on the toilet or taking a shower? <laughs> What the hell is that? I mean, Boys seriously. Um, See, that's kind of a running theme, too, is that you have this really high standard, but it's a bunch of 19-year-old kids, so at heart, I mean, they're kids. They do stupid things. Yeah, they wrestle and fart and do other kind of stupid but shit. I, I agree with that, but, I mean, why is it every single missionary out there is taking pictures of each other shitting or in the shower? Well, because you want to do something like that, and you can't do the, like, Oh, they passed out drunk, so I'm going to draw on his face. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, that, so, yeah. yeah um, the only like shower-related pictures that I have, um, well, I had, I have a picture of me just. I found a machete in the apartment, so I just took my picture, a picture of myself just doing random shit, like just me. I had in one of my apartments. There was, I'm not kidding. It was basically like think of a closet, and in that closet is a shower head and a toilet, and the toilet <laughs> is so you're sitting on the pot. And you're in the shower at the same time. So I have a picture of me with a machete on the toilet with the shower running. <laughs> nice. All right, that's uh, impressive. I won't. I won't put that one down. We can but, post uh, that one too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a close. And uh, a lot of times, like the water would get shut off, so you know we'd be um, just pouring buckets of water. Like so, I, I wouldn't have anyone do this for me, but uh, some of my companions wanted me to like while they stand naked in the shower I throw buckets of water over them like okay I'm gonna uh, get me wet to rinse and then I'll get myself all soaked up and then dump another thing and I never did that it's really... <laughs> so th this is almost like a, that without a paddle scene where the girls are up in the tree 
Uh, I mean, I, I can see the whole sexy poses between the missionaries already. There was uh. a curtain between us at all times. <laughs> I'm sure there was. You you go ahead and keep professing that. So, Were there um, holes in it so you could stick your hand through? Like, <laughs> that's, that's it. If there was a hole, I'm sure it wasn't his hand that was going through it. <laughs> all right, so that winds up this episode. It is a two-parter. Um, but next week, instead, we're going to split this up uh, and do the Proposition 8 episode. Yeah. Now, before we actually end all of this, I would like to uh, point out that for those of you who are going to write a review saying that you are a gay ex-Muslim Pakistani and want to come on to our show, I would like to say, hell yes, but you've got to leave us some way to get in touch with you. Yeah, get on the site and email us. I believe, and I'm fairly certain of this, we would be the only podcast in history to spotlight a gay ex-Muslim Pakistani. I can't fathom how you get that sort of combination. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week with the Proposition 8 podcast.